In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, my grace, Paul is standing before God, and he's going through struggles. And he said three times he asked God, God, could you take this? And God over and over said, my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And listen to what Paul said. He said, because I understand the grace of God, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to boast in my struggles. I'm going to boast in all the difficulties that I face in this life. Why? Except for the grace of God, I know what I deserve. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We've been doing a series over the last few weeks on the grace of God. How many have enjoyed the series? And I titled the series purposefully out of, out of Paul's declaration in 1 Corinthians. Because ladies and gentlemen, and I want you to look at me. Don't look at your notes right now. Let me just talk to you. It's all about grace. Everything as a Christian is about grace. Nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Matter of fact, the term was actually given by a guy named Bradford many, many years ago. He was watching a a man being led to the gallows. And John Bradford was actually in prison himself for the gospel. He was in prison, and, and he was watching this man as he walked by and going to the gallows. And he's the one that started the infamous saying. I know a lot of people will credit Winston Churchill. They'll credit different people. But it was a guy named John Bradford that said it, if you will, first. And he watched this man being led to the gallows, and he said these words, But for the grace of God, there go I. Ladies and gentlemen, Everything it is in your life and mine is grace. You succeed, it's grace. You have struggles, it's grace that gets you through those struggles. You go over the hill or under the hill, it's all about grace. On Wednesday nights, I've been working through the book of Romans, and starting this Wednesday, we'll get into Romans 14. 15 and 16, and it has been an incredible journey. Because what I, what I do when I, when I do a, a book of the Bible, I don't do a exegetical or a, a verse-by-verse breakdown, which is, I love doing that kind of stuff, but it really doesn't help us a lot because we don't know how to live this. I can, I can get into, into all kinds of, 
of fancy terms, and I can get into all kinds of Greek and Hebrew. And the bottom line, when you walk out that door, you say, well, Pastor, how's this fit in my life? And so what I try to do is I try to do it topically. I try to take it about the subject matter at hand that the Scripture is talking about. And I use everything from Genesis to Revelation to show the picture. And people walk out of there and they say, I think I'm understanding the book of Romans. I think I'm understanding what it means to live the Christian life, which is what the book of Romans is all about. The first 11 books is theological and doctrinal, basically gives you the nuts and bolts of why we do what we do. And then 12 through 16 gives us the reality of how we do what we do. Oh, it's been a great, I, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, and it has been a great time for us. But it's the bottom line of the book of Romans is grace. It's all it is, grace. Matter of fact, when you go reading through the, the scriptures, you'll find out that Paul understood grace like nobody. He had to teach James and John and the other 12. He had to help them understand what grace is all about. In your notes, grace, it's a special word, folks. Grace is one that can only belong to the child of God. You see, the world uses the term grace, and they they go this way and they go that way, but they fully do not understand, nor do they appreciate grace. You see, it's more than unmerited favor. It's more than just something that we don't deserve. Let me kind of give you a synopsis. Grace could be defined as the merciful kindness of God enveloped in his power that enables you and I the ability to turn our lives to Christ and continually to stand strong in Christ as he increases our faith for Christ. You see, all of our knowledge, all of our affection, all of our hope that is kindled in this Christian experience, in this Christian virtue where which we live, this is what a Christian knows as grace. Look at somebody. I want you to say a word. Just look at somebody. You know what you're looking at? If they're a child of God, you're looking at the grace of God. You're looking at the grace of God. Come on, Julie. Would Jimmy be what he is except for the grace of God? Would Andrew be what he is except for the grace of God? Would Asiel be what he is except for the grace of God? Come on, folks. Do I got to go room to room, person to person? Sarah? Will this honorary cowboy be what he is except for the grace of God? Mom, dad, will this boy Jacob be what he is except? You're looking at the grace of God. God's grace. If I can say this as a matter of fact, Except for this wonderful, God-given grace, I'd be lost. In every capacity 
of that word lost, I would be lost, except for the grace of God. Let me try to describe the indescribable. That is grace. His mercy is unending. His love without measure. So what I want to do just for a few moments this morning is I want to try to help us understand this grace. This grace that causes me to be all that I am. First Timothy says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen to Paul. Of who I am chief. Paul said, you want to talk about grace? I know who doesn't deserve it. I know who is not worthy of it. Paul understood grace as he knew how much he was forgiven. Look at me, church. You know one of the biggest problems we have in understanding mercy, grace, forgiveness, love, all the attributes of God is because we don't understand how much we have been forgiven. I remember when... when Mary went to break the alabaster box of ointment. My wife did an awesome job preaching about Mary's love. What was the title of it, honey? The, the, the love of Mary? It was just in, the incredible love that Mary had for her Lord and her Savior. She busted the alabaster box. And Simon, one of the religious, not Simon Peter of Jesus' disciples, but Simon of the house that he was in, mocked her. Saying, don't you realize what woman this is? And Jesus' response tore into the fiber of my being so many years ago when I read it. He said, to whom much has been loved, much love is given. See, Mary understood the love of God. She understood that except for God's grace, she'd be still lost. And she said, this alabaster box, though it's worth a year's wages, though I'm a single woman and it's part of a dowry, it's part of every worth that I have, how could I give anything more than everything? Are you getting a picture? Am I... Am I doing good describing the indescribable? My wife reminded me that one of the things about the virtue of a woman is they always kept their hair up until the day before the man they were going to be betrothed to. But the Bible says as she broke that alabaster box, she let her hair down. And with the tears from her face, she understood grace. She wiped his feet. She understood that it was everything. There was nothing else to give. Everybody in all of that. And listen to the picture. The fragrance of that ointment filled. Spicknard was not not just something you could go down to the corner market and buy. It was a very rare perfume. And the smell of that ointment, you know what it was? It was a smell of God's grace and glory lifting in that room. It was a a persona, if you will, of everything she was giving to become everything he is in her life. 
why do we have such a struggle? Is we have a hard time letting it go. Thank God, here it is. Larry, there ain't much there, but here it is, right? God, I just give it all. Am I doing okay describing grace? Maybe just a little? Paul understood. And look what he said in 1 Corinthians. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he said, and I want the Lord to know, and I want everybody to know, his grace is not in vain. I'm going to work harder than anybody. Let me ask you something. Why is the church of Jesus Christ, why is it so hard to get commitments out of people? To give themselves to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it so hard? Could it be that we don't understand grace? Could it be that we don't understand what he has fully done in our lives and we somehow think that still what we have is more important than what he has? Am I making any sense this morning? And listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm going to work harder than anybody, yet not me, but the grace of God that works in me. You know what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians? He's standing before a group of unbelievers and doubters in, in the city of Corinth. And he's talking to them about the resurrected Christ. And he said that Peter saw him first, and then the 12, and then 500, and then, then James, the earthly brother of Jesus. And at last, Paul throws his name in there. He proceeds to tell all his readers, I have done such wretched things. Listen to me, you that think that you've gone so far that God can't do anything. He said, I've done such wretched things that I'm the least. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But he said, except for the grace of God. He said, anything I have, anything I ever will be, is because of God's grace. Ladies and gentlemen, if we'll grab a hold of this understanding, there was a young man, a true story from, from many, many years ago. A young man was rising in the ranks of his law firm. And this young man, at a tough time in his life, embezzled a large sum of money from the firm. The action was discovered, and the young man was brought to the senior partner's office at once. And as he walked up the stairs, he knew exactly what he was being called for. His heart was pounding heavy, and he knew without a doubt that he would lose his position. He feared the possibility of legal action taken against him. Seemingly, his entire world was about to collapse. He walks into the senior partner's office. The young man was questioned of the whole affair. Listen to me. He did not deny it. He said, I'm guilty. I did this. Oh, you and I as Christians would just say, God, I'm guilty. Before you and you only have I done what I've done. God, it's not, people, it's not before man. It's not before a church. It's before God and God alone. 
the senior executive questioned the young man. And then the executive surprisingly turned it. And he said, if I keep you in your president capacity, can I trust you in the future? The young man, seemingly in a surreal situation, he said, yes, yes, you can trust me. I've learned my lesson. And the executive responded, I'm not going to press charges, and you can continue in your present condition. And then the employer turned to the young man. I could picture he kind of pulled his chair away from the desk, and he got out kind of face-to-face, and he, he told the young boy, said, you're the second person that has been forgiven of these charges. You're the second person that has succumbed to temptation. He said, young man, I was the first. And what you have done before you, I did. And the mercy you're receiving today is the mercy I once received. And the executive said, it's only the grace of God that keeps us both. Look at me, folks. We're all falling short of the glory of God. We have all messed up. We have all come to the place that we deserve judgment. Oh, but for the grace of God. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, said, I became a minister in in Ephesians 3. Look what he said. According to the gift of the grace of God. You see, Paul understood there was nothing in him. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife and I on the way to church this morning, I turned to her and we were having a conversation about a situation with people. You know when you're a pastor, people are always on the topic. Just what it is. Some days I love you, some days I just don't like you. Can I say that in church? Okay. People are always on the topic. And just out of the moment, I just turned to her and and we were swayed to to the subject of grace. And I said, honey, there's one thing I know, and that's grace. This man that stands before you, that's all, is the only reason I can stand here. The grace. Paul said, I am a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. That was given to me, listen, by the working of his power. To me, Paul says, who am the less of the least, I'm not even a fraction of anything. But this grace was given that I should preach the riches of God's goodness. In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, My grace, Paul is standing before God, and he's going through struggles. And he said three times, he asked God, God, could you take this? And God over and over said, my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
And listen to what Paul said. He said, because I understand the grace of God, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to boast in my struggles. I'm going to boast in all the difficulties that I face in this life. Why? Except for the grace of God, I know what I deserve. God, but for your grace, look at me. There's not a man or a woman in this room that doesn't have weakness. There's not a man or woman in this room that hasn't blown it. Probably today. If I had to raise a hand, how many couples had a little tiff on the way to church? Don't raise your hand, please. I'd have to have an altar call for the couples right now. Because the wife would say, it's him. And the husband would say, no, it's her. We all have weaknesses. Lamentations 3. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he's gone through so many struggles. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. He said these words of my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. He said, but I remember my afflictions and roamings through wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. You know what Jeremiah is saying? He said, I know what I am. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. And he's saying, except for the grace of God, I know where I'm going. But listen what he says here. But I recall this to my mind, and this brings me hope. It's of the Lord's tender mercies that I'm not consumed. It's the Lord's compassions that never fail me. Every morning, his compassions are brand new. How great is his faithfulness. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, but for the grace of God. In 1994, in a little town called Springdale, Arkansas, it was a great day of mourning. Two young boys jumped on their bicycles to head downtown for retribution. They had been caught shoplifting. And the proprietor of the store said they could come and work the grievance off. The man took them to, their, to his working warehouse and teenage boys being teenage boys. There was a forklift in the building. One of them got on the forklift and started operating it. And as you could imagine, the worst. One little boy killed the other little boy. Accident. Total accident. Boys doing what boys do. Playing with the forklift and not realizing it's a deadly machine. Paramedics came, and they couldn't save the boy's life. 
The boy who was running the forklift could not undo the accident. The man who owned the warehouse was a former pastor of a local church. And he could not reassign the boys to another area. He could undo the tragedy. What had happened, happened. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. What has happened in your life, you can't undo. What has happened in your past, you can't go back and retract. What has happened in your situation, your relationship, you cannot change. But you can change today. You see, nothing could go back and change any of this. When death comes, and death does not have to be physical, relationships can have death. Marriages can have death. Jobs, all kinds of different things. But there's something that we have to grab a hold of in the midst of this, and that is the grace of God. You see, God's sovereignty, we can do nothing to change situations or circumstances, but we can accept God's sovereignty in the midst of it. Oh, we may not understand or agree with it, but we do. Because we grab a hold of the grace of God, we do understand that God sees past today as far into the future as forever. And everywhere he sees, he sees grace. Everywhere he sees, he sees grace. And he said, I can do what you can't. I can change what you can't. I can fix what you can't. I can heal what you can't. You see, God's sovereignty is encapsulated by grace. And each of us is surrounded by that compassion. And you may go to sleep tonight not knowing what to do. But when you wake up tomorrow morning, His grace is going to meet you brand new. Romans 11 says, it's not in your screen, so you'll have to look at it yourself. Romans eleven thirty three, oh, how great are God's riches, his wisdom and his knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his ways? But his grace is in the middle of all of it. Let me read probably the most known passage in the entire scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If I may just for a moment, let me try to explain the unexplainable. As this verse stays on the screen, let's look at it. It talks about God, the greatest giver. And it goes on and says, He so loved. The only motivation for what He has done in your life and mine is because He loves. What does He love? The world. The greatest need. Ladies and gentlemen, you look around this world, there is nothing but need everywhere you look. 
people would sit back and say, well, what about the poor? Jesus said, you're going to have them always. It's not going to change. I've been all over the world preaching the gospel, some 30, 36 different nations of the world. And I have seen millions of dollars of building equipment and building supplies just laying out in the fields rotting. Why? Because poverty is not something you can deal with in the natural. It's a spiritual issue. You have to break the spirit of poverty. And the only way you can break that spirit is by bringing someone greater in. God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motivation, the world, that has the greatest need. That what happened? He gave. The greatest gift known to mankind. You and I, I don't care what we've given, we've never given like God's given. We've never done like God's done. He gave the greatest gift. What? His only son. The greatest act of mercy. The greatest act of love. The greatest act of forgiveness. And then he put out the greatest invitation to mankind. He said that whosoever. You remember earlier I had you look at people so you could see what the grace of God looks at? Look at somebody right now. Because that person you're looking at is a whosoever. The greatest invitation, he didn't give it to one or two or to a select group. He gave it to anyone that would call upon the name of the Lord. And he said all that would believe. The greatest opportunity given by the greatest giver because of the greatest motive to try to reach the greatest need with the greatest gift. He performed the greatest act and then he gave the greatest invitation for you and I to fulfill the greatest opportunity. That whosoever would believe, would not perish. Do you see a picture called grace? He did it all. Everything. The greatest deliverance that you and I could have the greatest possession, eternal life. Bill Gaither and his wife Gloria many years ago wrote a song and the words are in your notes. Basically, it said something beautiful, something good. All of my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made Something beautiful of my life. Except for the grace of God, all would be lost. Let me wrap this up this morning. You can stay right there for a moment, Andrew. Worship team, just stay. 
Let me wrap this up. If I can, I want to show you some of what belongs to you and me because of God's grace. Look what it says. I'm saved because of God's grace. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is God's gift. Ephesians 1 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Listen, according to the riches of his grace. Not only am I saved by grace, but I'm made secure or sure by grace. Look at Romans 5. Whom also we have access. I have a confidence. I have a surety that by faith into the grace by which I stand. I am sure. I am confident. I am secured. Romans 3.24, I am justified freely. How? By His grace. And you know what else? You see, it doesn't stop that He saves us. It doesn't stop that He makes us confident or sure. It doesn't stop that He secures us. He strengthens us by His grace. Look at 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient. It's by my strength that your weakness is overcome. 2 Corinthians 9 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you and towards me. That we have an all sufficiency in all things may abound in all good works. That's a lot of all. Do you get the picture of grace? Not only am I saved and made sure and secured and strengthened, but God's grace is my supply. Hebrews 4 says, let us come boldly. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's something about confidence. I can't come boldly unless I have a relationship. He said, let me come boldly into the throne of grace that I might obtain mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. Folks, I am strengthened because of God's grace. I am supplied because of God's grace. And circle this in your notes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm somebody because of God's grace. Oh, come on, somebody get it. I'm somebody because of God's grace. Oh, you're not getting it. I'm somebody because of God's grace. Church, you're not getting it this morning. I'm somebody because of God's grace. Can somebody shout glory? Look at Ephesians 3. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm not even worthy to be listed amongst the apostles. I am less than the least. But he said, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Paul said, I'm somebody because of God's grace. The next time the devil shows up at your door, says you're nothing. 
why don't you close that little peephole and turn around and say, Jesus, somebody's here to see you. And then before you turn the door to Jesus, open the peephole and say, and by the way, I ain't nobody. I'm somebody. Come on, give him praise this morning. I ain't nobody. I'm somebody because of the grace of God. He said, not only that, God's grace satisfies me. Folks, in this room, in these chairs, are multitudes of people that don't live with any satisfaction. I don't care how much you listen to Keith Richards. You can't get any satisfaction. Ain't happening outside of Jesus Christ. You see, Ephesians 2 says, in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards me. As the worship team comes, let me tell you about the thing that I love so much about God's grace. It's the last in your notes, but it could have been the first. You see, it's not that I'm just saved by grace. It's not that I'm just made sure by grace or secured by grace or strengthened by grace. It's not that all my supply comes because of His grace. And it's not even that I'm somebody or satisfied. It's because God's grace always surprises me. It always shows up right when I need it the most. Folks, I don't know about you, but there's been many times that this old boy has been down as low as he could possibly go. And all of a sudden, I found the rope of grace that I could pull myself up with. There's been many times in my life that I, I thought, man, God, what is the sense? I've been pastoring over 30 years, 30-something years. And there's been not a few times that I want to say, God, take this job and shove it. Can I say that in church? Why? Because, folks, sometimes I just don't know what to do except for God's grace. Are you grabbing it, Johnny? Except for God's grace. What do we do? The only thing that can take a reprobate and turn him into a child of God is God's grace. The only one that can take the homeless and the hopeless and turn them into faithfulness is God's grace. And God's grace will surprise you. When you think there's nowhere to turn, You'll turn and all of a sudden, oh, there is hope. It'll just show up, Gina. You know, and it's not that it didn't just show up. It was always there. It's just we were looking everywhere else. It's God's grace, Chris. It's God's grace, Jen. Always is, always will be. And except for that grace, you and I will be lost. The next time that I looked out and I said, oh, I found the way. No, he showed the way. 
The next time I look at it and say, oh, I overcome. No, he come over. Accept. See, God, God is full of surprises. Did you know that, Justine? God's full of surprises. Paul, on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, he thinks he's doing God a favor. He's on his way. The Bible says he's, he's going along on his horse. Does that look like a horse? Jimmy? How am I, how am I doing, Jimmy? And you know what the Bible said? God knocked him off his high horse. Can I tell you something? Some of us think we got it all together. God needs to knock us off our high horse. The Bible says that God surprised Paul and showed up. And Paul's there laying on the ground. He's saying, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. The ones you're persecuting. Look at me. Look at me, church. Look at me. It's not you being persecuted. It's Christ in you. It's not you that the devil's beating. It's Christ in you. And can I tell you something? It's Christ in you that is greater than anything that is in this world and that you can overcome. Why? Because he came over and got inside. When the struggles come, God might just surprise you and show up. But listen to me. He didn't just show up. He was always there. He was always there. It's just you finally looked up. Let's go back to our text. Paul said Peter saw him. All the 12 saw him. He said he showed up to 500 others. Then he went and saw his brother James. And he said, last, he showed himself to me. Paul said, I'm the least. Listen to me. If you think you're the least, if you think you've done too much, if you think you've gone too far, Paul said, look at me. He showed up. He surprised me, Monty. He surprised me. And he said, you're not too bad. You're not too bad, Robert Franklin. You're not too bad. You haven't done. He showed up. He surprised him. And he said, I feel like one that was born out of due time. For I am the least. Not even worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I did unspeakable things to the church. But by the grace of God, except for the grace of God, I am what I am. Look at somebody and say, that's me. Except for the grace of God, I am what I am. God, by His grace, bestowed this. Fill your grab. God, by His grace, bestowed this 
upon me. And I want you to know it's not in vain. It's not in vain. He loved me. And I'm going to show the world how much I love him. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.